Hi there again. My name is Father Matt Kovisk, and I'm the rector of St. Mary's Anglican Church in Verdun. And one of my most vivid memories of my time in middle school in Kelowna, British Columbia, is what we called CAP class. Now, CAP stood for Career and Personal Planning. And one of the things that I remember doing in that class was setting goals for my life, mostly regarding what I wanted to do with my career. To be frank, at that point, the idea of being a priest hadn't quite, quite crossed my mind yet. While I had wanted to be a church organist when I was a child, at that point, that wasn't on my mind. I would eventually come back to that goal and would accomplish it when I was 17. Now, all these years later, I frankly don't remember what I put in that assignment in middle school. But, as it turned out, a few years later, I would feel a call to the priesthood. And that would become the goal for my, quote, career. Goals are important. As they provide a framework to help us glance into the future, they give us something to work towards. We tend to do better when we provide some sort of, well, framework for our lives and steps to get ourselves there. It seems to me that it's part of our human nature to plan for our lives. In our younger years, we make plans and goals as to what we want to do with our lives, which may or may not come true. In our middle years, we plan for our later careers and for our retirement. And in our later years, we plan for what we want to do with that retirement. Bucket list, anybody? And we plan for what will happen when we die. All of these things provide a kind of a peace of mind as we try to navigate the storms of life. Talking about planning and talking about goals helps us to remember that there is something bigger than the day-to-day. And depending on the situation, as we all know, day-to-day life can be great or can be hard. And my friends, hard is what I imagine Jacob would have described day-to-day life working on Laban's farm, the story we hear from the book of Genesis this morning. If you want to look up that story, I encourage you to read Genesis 29, verses 15 to 28, which forms our Old Testament reading for this day. In chapter 29 of the book of Genesis, we read the story of Jacob meeting his wife, Rachel. They meet over sheep, and as I read the text, that seems to me that it's love at first sight. In order to marry Rachel, though, Jacob had to work for her father. That seemed to be kind of part of the deal. He works for him for seven years, and the text tells us that his time working seemed to him but a few days because of the love that he had for her. He was so focused on the goal of marrying the woman that he loved that the hard life that comes with working on a farm seemed nothing more than just a few days of work for him. He had a goal, marrying the woman that he loved. Working towards that goal and remembering the love that he had for this woman helped the time to pass away like it was nothing at all. He was reminded that looking towards the future and thinking about the future can help, especially when you find yourself in the situation that isn't the greatest. Seven years would come and go. And Jacob was probably excited at the end of it. He was going to marry the love of his life. Love and the knowledge of the goal that he would marry the woman of his life, the love of his life, carried him through. 
However, that wasn't to be, at least at that point. There was a bit of, shall we say, a hiccup. Instead of that happy night where Rachel and Jacob would be united, Laban, the father, remember, throws a wrench into the proceedings, giving Leah, Rachel's older sister, to Jacob instead of Rachel. He gives Leah instead of Rachel because in their culture, the younger sister would never, ever marry before the older sister. So, Jacob, undeterred, set out once again for his ultimate goal, to marry the love of his life, Rachel. He would serve another seven years to have her hand in marriage. As I read this story, the thing that strikes me most is Jacob's patience with this whole situation. And perhaps, my friends, that is something we can learn from this day. I can't imagine the feelings that would have gone through Jacob's head as he was going through this situation. As the clock ticked down towards that magical seven-year mark, I imagine Jacob was growing more and more excited by the day. It seems to me that that's the logical feeling here. I don't know about you, but any time the clock ticks down towards something that I'm looking forward to, excitement grows within my heart. Then, to have all of that taken away in a moment of trickery by Laban must have been absolutely devastating. In addition to that, Jacob, and is known down to this day, as a bit of a trickster. Earlier in Genesis, we hear the story of Jacob tricking his brother Esau out of his birthright. So to be tricked into a marriage with another woman after working seven years would have been incredibly frustrating for Jacob. A modern reader, though, might wonder this. How could Jacob be tricked into marrying another woman? God knows that would never happen these days. Both the officiant and the bride and the groom know who they're marrying. Well, again, another thing about that culture, in ancient times, in ancient Israel, the bride was covered with a veil that would have covered her face completely. And it was always assumed that the person under the veil was the bride, and that nobody would actually check. But in this case, it very much wasn't. So what, you might be asking me, Father Matt, so what? This story is a beautiful story. It's nice enough to hear, and it's touching to hear of the love that Jacob had for Rachel. What can we learn from the story many millennia later? Well, my friends, I think there's the obvious lesson here that if you keep working hard, you'll eventually complete your goals. However, I think that there's a deeper le lesson for us to learn here. In this story, Jacob makes some huge sacrifices for his love of Rachel. He lives not only in exile from his homeland. To live away from the family in ancient Israel would have been a huge sacrifice because family to them was everything. He lives away from his homeland, but he also works for 14 years without a wage. There is a larger plan at work here. We first meet Jacob in Genesis 25, when he is nothing more than an immature young man, not quite ready to be the leader he would grow up to be. God was using the situation of Jacob and Rachel 
to form Jacob into the leader that he was called and meant to be. And that's a lesson in addition to Jacob's patience for us this day. Down through the millennia, God does the same. He uses the situations we find ourselves in to mold ourselves into the people he desires us to be. For us, going through these incredibly difficult situations is hard, but we come out of them stronger and more in the likeness of who we were created to be. It is also helpful for us to remember that even in the midst of these difficult situations, we, my friends, are never alone. We have a God who accompanies us, even when we think that he's distant. As I leave you this day, I'd like you to think back for a moment. I'd like you to think back to a difficult situation or circumstance you found yourself in. It could be something short-term, or a more long-term situation like Jacob's. As you look back at the situation, were you changed? What do you think that change looked like? Do you think that God somehow was working in this situation? How do you think he was involved? Directly? Indirectly to other people? And how do you think you changed to be the person he created you and wants you to be? As you think on these things this week, take Jacob's example to heart, that God will take your goals, your difficult situations, and work through them so that you will grow and morph into more and more the person he desires you to be. For God working in our lives, we give thanks and praise, both now and forevermore. Amen.